Welcome to the Trust Your Gut Podcast. I'm your host, Demi Fair. Here we dive into the world of the mind-body connection, exploring the gut-brain axis, microbiome, and nervous system while harnessing the power of intuition and connection to spirit. If you struggle with chronic digestive and mental stress and are tired of trying just one more diet or supplement to address your symptoms, then this is the place for you. Join me as we learn from the world of science and medicine, but also from nature, our own inner knowing, and personal stories. Thank you for tuning in, and now it's time to trust your gut. Hello and welcome back to the Trust Your Gut podcast. Woo wee everybody, I have been in a, (laughs) I wanted to call it a hole, but I don't know that that's really the appropriate term. I have been on a mission lately um, over the past couple months, but definitely these past few weeks, I have been deep in the process of getting ready to open the gut brain healing toolkit again and I had decided after the first round of it once I got to step back and look at how everything went and look at all the pieces put together and this is so typical in my perfectionistic way of being I was like oh I need to make it better (laughs) But I could see the ways to make it better that would make it more successful for people. Um, There's a lot of content and information in the program because it's covering like the entire foundation of what I teach in regards to the gut-brain connection and how we heal our gut-brain issues like IBS. There are a lot of things that go into that like our vagal tone and increasing the gut brain communication and learning about our nervous system and speaking the language of our nervous system learning how to regulate it understanding and healing our trauma through different modalities looking at the entire digestive process and following the correct process for supporting our gut health and then also supporting our microbiome it all ties in together and that's a lot of information So of course, once you start one project of like upgrading things, so I was upgrading and re-recording videos and like reorganizing and putting in tools and things that are going to help people move through it better and be able to like really prioritize and focus on certain things in each module. From there, you know, you also need to build um, (laughs) all these other things to like put it out there into the world and then you start to see that, oh, this messaging or the way that I described this on my sales page or on my website or my, you know, the statement about what I do, that doesn't feel like that's the right words anymore. So now you end up like redoing (laughs) a bunch of things on your website and your whole messaging. And so now I've actually, um, redone a bunch of things and I won't bore you with all the details of like all the components needed to like run all the things I'm running 
Um, but I've been creating a free masterclass. I'm getting really, really excited to share and I am going to pick a date here soon. It might be picked by the time that this episode is out. So go check the show notes. Uh, cause if it is, there'll be a link there, but, um, I'm really excited about this masterclass because I'm going to go through my essential five steps for healing the IBS stress cycle. And through this process of creating this masterclass and redoing aspects of the gut brain healing toolkit and getting clearer on, you know, my message and who I'm talking to and like really what those folks I'm talking to, which are many of you here on the podcast are going through and maybe the mistakes that are being made, it's um, led me to decide I want to focus specifically on the IBS stress cycle. So those of you who struggle with IBS and especially those of you who tend to be more with IBS and stress or anxiety, and you know that cycle, how you have IBS symptoms, and you know that when you're under stress, they make your symptoms flare. But then when your symptoms are flaring and your gut is out out of whack, how that actually drives your stress further. And I mean, that is the gut-brain connection. IBS in itself is a disorder, a dysfunction of the communication between the gut and the brain. So because I'm talking so much about gut-brain communication, and given that I have such a focus on nervous system regulation for healing our gut-brain issues, I'm talking about the whole umbrella of gut-brain issues going on, but it's so in alignment with IBS. So I've just decided to focus specifically on IBS. That doesn't mean if you don't have IBS, but you have something else, you can't work with me because again, the whole umbrella is here, but that's what I've decided to focus on. And I feel really excited about that. Um, I don't think it really changes anything in the content that I deliver or probably who's interested in working with me. Like if my work resonates, it resonates, but I think Um, My focus on the nervous system and trauma and gut-brain communication is also in alignment with IBS. If you haven't heard this fact anywhere before, 50 to 74% of those with IBS report having childhood trauma or adverse early life experiences. That is a huge, huge, huge number. And I talk about the root cause being trauma and nervous system dysregulation, which is due to either trauma or chronic stress. So... I feel like I'm really talking to those people with IBS and I also put a lot of attention and focus either when I'm working with one-on-one clients, we spent our whole first two-hour initial consultation with probably at least half of that, if not more, exploring their childhood, their relationship to their parents, what their parents' childhood was like, any kind of intergenerational things that have been passed down. Um, And then... I also set this up for participants in the Gut Brain Healing Toolkit to look at that area because I find that that is really one of the key places we need to look when it comes to discovering how we're going to actually heal our chronic symptoms that goes beyond the diets and the supplement protocols. I have an episode about this. I'm sorry, I don't know the number. Um... I'll link it down below in the show notes for easy access to it where I just talk about like why I, you know, spend so much time talking about 
clients' childhoods with them. Um, so all of that comes together to create this, um, I guess, more narrowed focus. So that's what I've been up to, which means I haven't been creating podcast episodes or social media content because, man, I am a one-woman show and it is hard to <laughs> do it all, especially when your brain feels just totally like full of thinking about, well, should I say it with this word or this word or this way or this way or how should I title this masterclass? And it comes down to like, one word or two words that you're just not sure of and I will admit I will raise my hand really really high and say I have not been regulating myself very well I have been extremely anxious because I feel like I need to get everything done ASAP this has been a pattern of mine since I was at least a teenager where I would like make this to-do list and I felt like I had to just do, 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 go, 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 go all day, like try to get it all done. And I wouldn't feel good unless I accomplished everything off my list. But as we all know, the list just keeps growing, right? <laughs> and once something is done, there's always more things. So I'm, I'm practicing just stepping back, giving myself more time, not putting pressure on it. I want to create everything in this business from the place of love and passion and complete dedication to it, not from stress. It's not why I did this thing. It's not an easy path, but I don't want to be like so anxious that I'm like overwhelmed and having breakdowns in the grocery store, which has happened maybe once or twice. Definitely once, maybe more than once. Anyways, if you're interested, um, go check out my website there's just a little bit of new copy um you have access to all the pages there please check the show notes for um any info on that the episode or maybe the master class will be ready um and if you are interested in the gut brain healing toolkit um it's going to be definitely opening its doors in november I really wanted to do that this month. Um, I might open it earlier to those on the wait list, actually, with a special discount and bonus. So I do encourage people who are interested to get on the wait list. Uh, But it will definitely be opening to the public in November. Uh, If you go down to the show notes, you'll see a link to the page that tells you everything about it. I have also restructured the way that the program works. So... It's still a six-module program. It's reorganized in the way it should have been organized before, uh, but sometimes we don't see that until hindsight. It is organized in the way that it walks you through the five steps that you need to heal your chronic issues, gut issues. Not, I mean, you might have a lot of issues that need to be healed, but I can guarantee that it can help heal your (laughs) gut brain symptoms. Um... And so each module is in that order to walk you through those steps in the proper order that's going to set you up for the most success. And in the masterclass, I'm going to dig into why a lot of like the diet and supplement protocols and even stress management tools that we use are not often working for us because we're not following this process in these specific steps. So that's new. 
There's still uh, live calls. They're going to be just going on once a month now. And they're going to be um, more of like a workshop. So that might be inspired from like questions that I'm getting the month before from participants. That seems like it just needs me to go deeper into that. It might be for live demonstrations. It might be some other topic that I really want to bring in or new like information or science or knowledge I've learned. It might just be for Q&A, so that will be announced every month. And then another new thing is I'm going to be doing office hours. So that will be for the first six months you're in the program, you get to have monthly office hours with me. You get to sign up for a 30-minute slot each month. So that ends up being three hours of one-on-one work together over those first six months. That ends after six months, but you're welcome to join the live calls as long as you want because you have access to the program for the lifetime of the program. So everybody is welcome to the live calls. That way we can have a little bit more of that like personalized, individualized, one-on-one support, and then the live calls can just be a bit more like open to anyone who's joined the program at any time. I also have a couple other bonuses. And then there's a VIP upgrade. So if you're someone who just wants that extra one-on-one support, you can do the VIP upgrade. That's going to be three 75-minute one-on-one sessions with me. And then you'll also get a stool test as part of that. And uh, then I'll also send you another assessment and take all that information in as well as your stool test results. You'll get a whole separate sheet of recommendations just specific to your stool test results but I'm going to take in all the information that I've gathered from you from our first session and an assessment you fill out and then I'm going to create you a personalized nutrition and nervous system plan so not just some like here's a diet and what to eat and here's a supplement protocol it's going to be more like these are foundational pieces um, that need to be addressed and this is your nervous system state that you seem to be dominant in you probably also dip into this one this is what it's like for you and create you a plan that you can work off so you can just kind of take out some of that guesswork and just have a little bit more one-on-one and individualized support so I'm really excited about those two different levels and how it's gonna you know really be supporting people throughout the process all right So I'm going to get into the next part of the travel story series. (laughs) This one is about Australia. And honestly, I have no idea how this is going to go because um, I just dug out some journals and I'm like, I already knew I was like, that year in Australia was really tough. And I just started reading through some of these journals. And then there was like the in-between. As I left off last, right, I I came back home from my year away in Asia. So my first year traveling. And I forgot how tough that in-between time was. And then getting to Australia. So um, I'm just going to do my best to kind of recall from my memory and kind of move through some of these journal entries. But I think it's it's it's... This is a time where, um, yeah, things just got heavy and a lot of the things I had been moving through and working with um, throughout high school and college years kind of resurfaced in some ways. And then things that were just surfacing over that first year traveling kind of amplified. So 
I will explain that as I go. Uh, but the first thing I see in the journal of that time is just talking about how I'm back home in the States and it's been a roller coaster of feelings. I had post-travel depression. I had post-travel confusion. I had post-travel, what the hell am I doing with my life? Um, within that, there was also like comfort and rest and family and friends and heartwarming moments, um, where I felt just so filled up. And of course there was just access to like food I'm familiar with and a lot of nature and the things I love to do, but I just really felt like I couldn't recalibrate back super well. Um, it's like that reverse culture shock, right? So that was going on. Um, And I think, too, now that I have um, a lot of nervous system awareness, I had been in such a state of this, like, pushing, 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 go, 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 do, 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 right? Like, you heard that at the end of my time in Asia, I started to just, like, my body started to break down, like, getting hives, like, being really constipated, feeling really bloated, feeling absolutely exhausted, and... That continued when I got home. I actually remember like feeling nauseous a lot and like I could hardly eat before I would feel nauseous. Now it all makes sense because I had been in that fight or flight state for too long. And again, it wasn't from a negative place. I was out traveling the world. I was having a great time of my life. But this is where like stress is like a tricky thing. It doesn't have to necessarily feel like stress to our mind and body, but I was putting my body under stress, being in that constant movement and probably not feeding myself well and not sleeping well and maybe partying a little too much towards the end there at different times and also just like getting different stomach bugs. Like that, there was a lot of stress going on to my body. So it pushed me over into that dorsal vagal shutdown state. And what do we feel in that state? We start to feel depression. We can start to feel nausea in like the digestive tract. We feel exhausted. Lack of motivation, hopeless, helpless. So I was definitely feeling some of these things. And I was like returning back to home and realizing like this isn't where I needed to be right now you know it it was kind of that like the first hero journey away and you come back and realize like you don't fit there anymore um so yeah and I just also wasn't feeling great in my body like again I had gone through a bunch of stomach bugs that year in Asia um I had put on some weight I think that messed with my mental mental health a little bit probably I don't write about this here but I do remember that um and I had you know just I kind of said like f it with my diet and I started like eating gluten and stuff again which at that time my gut probably wasn't prepared to handle that you know uh so that's where I was at I write here in the journal how I felt myself going back into habitual thoughts and ways of thinking like FOMO and feeling like I have to do, I'm not doing enough with my time or in my day. I had indecisiveness and dwelling. 
And I felt like coming back home, I was just like back into those habits. In hindsight, I think being in the traveling, it was full of so much excitement. I mean, I definitely experienced indecision and FOMO, but I was like doing such exciting, fulfilling things. I didn't sink into that place. And this reminds me like right now I'm working with a therapist on OCD and I think there's a lot of misunderstanding around OCD and I'm learning a lot about it. And being able to understand that I do struggle with OCD has changed my life. So I am going to make an episode about what I understand of OCD and at least my own experience with it being more like mental ruminations and mental compulsions. Little side note there. So it's really interesting for me to look back at these journals. It's like I knew I was going through this stuff back then, but to like hear the words be like so resonant to what I'm still going through now here's the key it doesn't debilitate me as much as it did in the past it can still be debilitating this is the healing process this is what I talk about all the time it's not that I'm gonna necessarily eliminate all my anxiety and OCD completely but ideally I am finding new ways and tools and I'm expanding my capacity within my system to handle it so that it doesn't have to like hijack me for a whole day or you know totally cause me to like spiral and just you know end up with no energy at all after all of that so in general that time at home I just I don't know I was home for a couple months and I did a little bit of work pretty much just to make enough money so that I could buy a plane ticket to Australia and get my work and holiday visa and I was definitely in this a bit of a challenge deciding to go to Australia or not mostly because I I went and worked and then I went on a bit of a road trip did a little bit of climbing went and visited a friend in Colorado who was working at the Outward Bound School and at this point in my life I was pretty involved with environmental and outdoor education and I always thought I had wanted to work at a place like Outward Bound or Knowles which takes people out and leads them on excursions in the outdoors mostly the mountains going there and visiting I was pretty much offered you know a job to go and work there and I was extremely torn between staying and and working at this place that I wanted to work or to you know go to Australia which one part was because I had always wanted to go to Australia and you get a work and holiday visa only up until what was it 31 maybe it's uh, a little bit later than that And, you know, I had a boyfriend in Australia, so um, there was definitely just this kind of, you know, really having to um, work through kind of this like exhaustion and depression and uncertainty and just kind of through the journal here, I find that I'm you know, again, seeing my my anxiety and kind of my decision-making and FOMO and how it doesn't suit me. And I'm also just starting to explore some, some deeper parts of my being and finding kind of healthy nourishment in the outdoors and in healthy routines. And then, you know, make the decision on how I'm going to move forward, which I did decide to go to Australia. And that's what the rest of this episode is going to be about. I want to share this quote with you, though, that I found here written in the journal, which to me has always summed up what I have found in traveling and in um, going after outdoor pursuits. 
It says, the greatest challenge is not to travel abroad, but to travel within. Not to conquer unclimbed routes on sheer stone, but to seek out seldom visited terrain in one's heart, mind, and soul. In short, to push oneself to improve when improving proves most trying. And while they may not be as tempestuous <laughs> as the Torres, our inner landscapes are just as intimidating, just as breathtaking, and without a doubt, just as rewarding to behold. And that quote is written by Chris Kalman. And if you don't know what the Tories are, they're this famous mountain range down in Patagonia. Uh, it's what the Patagonia you know, clothing company logo is mimicked after. So you can put that in as any other mountain range or maybe place that's kind of this like ultimate landscape you'd like to explore. And I just think this quote sums up so beautifully. Really my whole purpose of these travel stories series is that often when we go travel, right? Traveling is different than like going on vacation. Vacation is like, I'm going to Hawaii and I'm staying at this resort and I'm going to, you know, have an all-inclusive buffet and, and chill. Nothing wrong with that. Vacations are amazing when you really truly are just relaxing. Travel, on the other hand, tends to be stressful. There's like a lot of logistics. You're kind of just constantly on the go figuring it out, at least the way that I do it. I've pretty much these whole years that I traveled, I just bought one-way tickets and I maybe knew where I was staying for the first night or two. That's not for everybody. But, you know, travel to me was always about exploring other places, but how they would mirror what I was exploring internally as well. So that quote is like the quote of these travel story series. So I arrive to Australia. It is July. So I leave the U.S. in the middle of summer and I arrive in Australia in the middle of their winter. And I went to live in Melbourne. So Melbourne is not like the hot sunny part of Australia in the winter. It's very similar to the Pacific Northwest where it can be gray and cold and cloudy and rainy. And it was like quite a harsh shift to move into. And, you know, obviously there's a ton of personal things um, that happened throughout this year. And in many of these travel stories that I'm just not going to share because I just want to respect the other people who are involved. That's why I'm not saying names of partners and I'm not sharing a lot of details about things that happen in those relationships. But just know <laughs> that the relationship pieces have been a huge thing throughout all these travels. For me, and for many people, but I can speak for myself, my experience through relationships, um, through heartbreak, have been the most transformational points of growth in my life. A big part of that is because so much of my childhood trauma and wounding is attachment wounding, especially with my father, and intergenerational father wounding passed down to me. I have a very deep father wound, but not only do I have a deep father wound, but my mother and father both have father wounds, both my grandmothers, and I'm sure many other people in my generational lineage. So um, that has been a huge part of my healing journey and learning and all these travels over this last years. 
I would say I've been working with that mostly over the last four or five years since I've been back. We'll learn all about that later. (laughs) Uh, But I just want to speak to that and how there was a lot going on throughout all these stories that I'm just not going to speak to here on such a public platform. Um, But I went to live with uh, my boyfriend then uh, and he was living with both his parents and both his brothers. Um, so it was like kind of a crazy thing to move into a city. I'm, I, I've never lived in a city. Uh, and in the middle of winter and then live with like this whole family who are just absolutely lovely, amazing, magnificent human beings. I love them all so dearly. And I'm so, so, so grateful for that time I got to live there. But I arrive and I was just like constipated right away for like ever. My body was just like, what the fuck? Um, And I was really starting to struggle with that. Especially because before I went to Asia, I had gotten to a really good place with my bowel movements. So now I was like just, I was struggling with that and... Really, what I would say is I arrived with no money because I made enough money to get a plane ticket and a visa. I arrived with really not having any money and I needed to get a job right away. So there's just a lot of things going on. It was like the middle of winter. I'm severely constipated and bloated and having stomach pains and just like feeling horrible in my body. Um, I've just moved to this brand new place where I don't know anybody except my partner and his family. And I'm living in this entirely new living situation where like I'm now sharing a room with a partner and I don't have any space to myself, which I have learned I'm someone who really needs space to myself. And this is coming after a year of kind of being in that similar situation. Um, so couple things going on I end up getting two different jobs one I was working like an outdoor clothing shop so I was like literally working in a mall (laughs) for the first little bit and then it moved to like this big brand new store on the street but I'd have to go down to the CBD of the city again not a city person the city aspect was really really challenging for me I didn't um you know, I, I'm so grateful because I had a bike that I got to use and I ended up like going on a lot of bike rides around the city and finding really beautiful trails to go on. I spent a lot of time in the parks. I'd go and I'd work out in the parks a lot or go on runs. I biked to get to work. When I went down to the outdoor gear store, it was in the CBD and that was always a little bit chaotic. But Melbourne is a really beautiful, fascinating city. I also got a second job, um, environmental education. I got to teach. Um, They're all like primary school or uh, elementary school kids. Um, Some really young ones, super cute, out at this community park, um, environmental community park. And so I was like teaching environmental ed lessons to these kids a couple days a week. And it was just like the sweetest thing ever. And that really filled me up. But I didn't get enough work there. So I had to also get the retail job. That was like a 30-minute bike ride away. Um, so I got to enjoy that journey. 
the city was really expensive. Uh, I'm really grateful that I had this place to live. Uh, but despite working two jobs, it was definitely hard to save money and find like the kind of health food that I liked in a price that I could really afford. Um, and before I go into like that food and body kind of area, you know, I'll say too about the city, like not having a vehicle really to get out of the city and get out into nature was really tough for me because I'm so much of a nature person. At this time I was really into rock climbing and so like to go rock climbing outside, I think it was like three hours or more away. So I didn't really have the option to like go out and do that. Um, there was sometimes I was able to like borrow a car. One time I think I like bust out and then like hitchhiked out to like go spend a week long climbing trip in this place called the Arapiles and met someone off Facebook. Um, but you know, I just felt kind of stuck in the city and it was really hard to make friends cities I don't know you maybe think it'd be easy to make friends there but like I was going to the climbing gym thinking that'd be a good place to make friends going to like yoga classes going to like fitness classes um and that I really struggled with especially coming from like such a rich community of friends back home and like or when I was traveling it was so easy to meet friends traveling in the city people are just kind of living their life and doing their thing um, I did make some lovely, lovely friends there, but it definitely, that was also a really hard aspect. Another hard aspect was, as I mentioned, I was really not feeling good in my digestion. I was feeling really constipated and bloated, which ended up triggering my body image issues. And I'd say at this point in Australia, I got into the worst state of my orthorexia, which is an obsession with healthy eating that I ever did. So I was just trying to fix my constipation and I began to, this is kind of really the start before I had you know, read books and done research and tried to figure out like what to do to help heal your gut. But this time in Australia is truly the like the moment that I started to go deep into it. And because I was in the city and I was having a hard time making friends and I couldn't get out and go into nature, I spent a lot of my time exercising, researching nutrition and gut health modalities and protocols and the best diets and all the info that I could find I would like literally had notebooks where I was writing it all down um I was keeping a food journal to try to figure out what foods were causing me to be constipated and um I started to cut out certain foods so I was doing low FODMAP I pretty much cut out carbs altogether and um, was keeping the food journal and then I was like making all my own food because I wouldn't eat any nuts or seeds that had been like soaked and dehydrated first and so I was like and like the the natural food there was so expensive so I was like making my own like chocolates and yogurts and nut butters that I was like activating first and like all this stuff which again I kind of had the time to but I think it gave me something to focus on Now, no surprise that during this process, my anxiety increased tremendously. So I started to really experience a lot of anxiety. I think it was like kind of a wake-up call to me that I like needed to deal with my anxiety. Um, Also, 
because I was now cutting out like carbohydrates and FODMAP foods and stuff and I was starting to exercise a lot because it was like a way I was funneling my anxiety and loneliness and sadness into something Um, and because I'd been feeling so shitty in my gut and my body I just wanted to exercise to feel better and because I was like having a really negative body image again because my bloating made me feel fat because I had gained weight after Asia like I just started to do like a lot of high intensity exercise whether I was going to this thing called F45 which is just like this 45 minutes of high intensity circuits or whether I was like going to the park and doing my own I became pretty obsessed with working out and I actually was like I got real fit and real lean like the you know kind of amazing but here's the deal I lost my period um I don't remember how long it went away but it went away for a long time of course in that process I was extremely stressed out and anxious on edge reactive overwhelmed I remember like just I can't believe I wasn't feeding my body carbs with that level of intense exercise that I was doing. Like, I feel emotional thinking about that and, like, how um, mean I was to my body. Um, I had absolutely no libido, you know, losing your period. And let's just, like, say that losing your period is not a good thing. It's not a good thing. That's a bad, bad thing. So that's essentially what was going on for the first bit of time there. Um, A really intense thing happened in my relationship too. There was definitely challenges. And it just ended up being this really, really hard time. But it's something now that I can look back in hindsight and see really just how essential all of that was because it was really the moment. It's so interesting to me because I knew I really had anxiety and I struggled with indecision and I was just kind of always like go 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 do 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 but I think with my getting older and and a little bit wiser because I mean at that point I was I don't know 24 25 when I was living there um I think that was the time I really really embraced that I struggled with anxiety and kind of named it I hadn't named it before um so that really opened me up into understanding just how much my experience of anxiety was a driving force behind my gut symptoms my physical symptoms and just my overall like struggle with many things so there was that piece there was also the piece of the body image issues that came forward and um, that was really kind of the last big uproar of those for me in my life since then um, I just continued to heal my body image issues to get to the place where I'm at now where um, I just have such a, a beautiful, loving relationship with my body. So I think that was also important for me to go through and see how the anxiety was driving the body image issues, how the perfectionism, the need to be in control was driving the body image issues. Um, And then just putting my body through that experience with the food and the orthorexia and all the food fears and food anxiety and how I lost my period. It was also kind of one of the times I had 
uh, kind of this wake up call to that. I can't say that that ended um, any food fears or food anxiety because I know since then um, or after that point, I definitely went through my times of fearing FODMAP still or certain carbs or whatever it may be. But um, that was really, again, kind of this uproar that brought a lot of that to my attention. And so in going back through my journal in that time, I see uh, where I'm starting to talk about how I'm understanding this mental load on my body via the gut brain. Like, wow, like this kind of obsessive compulsive thinking. At that point, I didn't understand that I had OCD. Um, The acknowledgement of anxiety, what I was calling the monkey mind, I was kind of acknowledging the perfectionism and the need for control. And I was seeing how much that was actually impacting my gut and my body. And so it was kind of one of the first times I really started to name that gut-brain connection. And this is what blows my mind as I go back through these journals and I'm like, oh, that was something I was already talking about then or that was something I was still dealing with then. And it all makes sense how my path has unfolded to where I'm at today talking about these things because it was you know, over a decade ago that I was discovering these connections within myself. So... One thing I write about is just noticing the tension in my stomach. And I don't know if I've talked about this here on the podcast. I've made a reel about it. But pretty much from the time that I was in seventh grade, I feel like I've been chronically sucking in my stomach. It started when my friend at the time in seventh grade told me if I sucked my stomach in, I would look skinnier. My stomach would look flatter. And then recognizing how I went into being a teenager with body image issues and having a lot of issues with bloating and just feeling fat because of that, um, I started to chronically suck in my stomach. But I recognized that maybe that started way earlier. I was also noticing just how like I would suck in, like hold a lot of tension in my perineum or my anus, my butthole. Um, which again, with digestive issues, that could be a really common place, especially since I had constipation, chronic constipation. When you consider that tension in the stomach and in the anus of just like holding, you're like, wow, there's so much like holding things in, like not being able to let go. Um, there's also just the fact that I, I had got like suppositories stuck up my bum when I was little because I was chronically constipated and that was like trauma to my butthole and that was horrible, um, too. But that along with just like the tension in my jaw, neck and shoulders, this is when I started to like connect this to my childhood and be like, this must come from when my child self like needed to tense up that held in sadness and anger and fear and even hatred like in her jaw and her stomach who swallowed those feelings because who the hell does a 10-year-old girl go and talk to? How does she know how to process and release these hard emotions and thoughts and experiences she has to go through? I guess you just tense and brace yourself for whatever's happening, the fear you're going through, the sadness you feel. You swallow it all and hold on to it. And I was like, wow. When I think back to things I experienced in my childhood and having the kind of mind that I have already, having OCD at a young age, uh, having anxiety at a young age, 
um, having, you know, kind of a fight, fight or flight response, um, mostly flight response at a young age. And this isn't to say that, like, especially my mother, um, I feel like she was such a loving person I could go and cry to and bring things to. But I feel like when things are happening with your parents, like, that's not always the person you need to go and talk to about it. Um, So just considering, like, being a child and not knowing how to deal with our big emotions and as a highly sensitive person and a highly sensitive child there was a lot of big emotions and I know I played a lot of imaginary games and in a way I just like just didn't know how to feel them and so I could you know feel this tension starting in my body from that point and thinking about having constipation I wonder and if you struggle with chronic constipation it's like what are you holding in? Like, what are you unable to let go of or process or digest? So this was also, again, this kind of started back in Nepal in that craniosacral therapy session, even before that in college when I was like exploring somatic work. But then this, um, again, was further deepening that understanding. So again, all part of the growth process Uh, Before I get into like just the rest of my travel stories from that time, I wanted to share that in my time, I think mostly it was all in Melbourne. I can't remember for sure, but um, I saw five different snakes. I don't often see snakes, but um, five of them appeared to me. And I'm someone who, you know, believes in animal omens or messages like um, maybe one day I'll, I'll tell some more of my stories around that. Um, Some of them are definitely woven into these travel stories as we get into my time in Peru and whatnot. But um, I had seen, you know, five snakes over the course of like the eight months I was in Melbourne. And after those eight months in Melbourne, when my two jobs were done and it was time for me to take the little money I had and do a bit of traveling, I set off from Melbourne and I flew to Brisbane because I had already been to like Sydney and Byron Bay and in separate trips. Did a nice little trip down to Tasmania, down the Great Ocean Road, went to the Arapiles and climbed and the Grampians and climbed and definitely did get to get out in uh, from the city and explore Um, some of the places more down in Victoria and New South Wales and it was really beautiful and the times I got to go and climb or we went and rented a car and drove around Tasmania and saw the bioluminescence in the Bay of Fires and how the the waves would crash among the shore and then the whole shore would line up I mean it was just beautiful saw so many kangaroos and wallabies and wombats and koalas Um, it's such a beautiful country and I made, you know, this time in the city sound really intense and hard, um, but there was so many beautiful things about it too, and I definitely ended up finding my rhythm, and the summer was a lot better, and I did make friends and moved through some, like, tremendous growth relationally, and um, yeah, there was a lot of beautiful things, but it was a challenging time, for sure. So I begin this, um, I don't even know, maybe it was a month and a half, two months, whatever was left in my year in Australia. Oh, I guess, um, well, we don't need to do the math. It doesn't really matter. Um, I flew to Brisbane 
And so the way that I did this travel, since I didn't have a whole lot of money saved um, and I needed to get to New Zealand, I decided to couch surf and ride share. <laughs> so that was, if you're not familiar with couch surfing, there's a website where people offer up space in their home that might just be a couch or like a mattress on the floor they might even have a spare bedroom and so you can create a profile go onto the website and search for a place you are traveling to and reach out to people and so I found couch surfing places all the way up the coast and I ended up ride sharing so Maybe that was like Craigslist or there was maybe some other app or website where you could go and see if people were driving from where you were at to where you wanted to get to and then you'd catch a ride with them and just pitch in for gas. So um, I arrived in Brisbane, stayed with these lovely young guys and um, that first night I was there, I had a very vivid dream about a snake biting me on the calf. And the next day I went and walked around the city alone and I found myself in this really unique bookstore that was focused on spirituality and the mystic, mythic arts. And I found a dream book. So of course I went to read about snake, you know, considering how I had seen snake five times and, you know, having this dream. And uh, I have a lot written down, um, but there's this one piece that I underlined that I think really resonated with what I had just experienced so far in Australia and where I was at. It says, Snake points out that we need to look deep within ourselves and honor those aspects that pose the greatest threat of making us ill. We have to hand them over so that we may see clearly again, allowing us to move forward with confidence and renewed sense of purpose. Snake suggests that we look at our baggage, our burdens, our pain, and transmute them into a new opportunity, new life, and the chance to start our journey over again. She offers us the chance to physically rebirth ourselves by strengthening us emotionally and deepening our relationship with spirit. So what I had felt from this in, you know, seeing the snake so many times during my time in Melbourne and starting now this kind of like new chapter of like solo travel and kind of marking my time to like transition out of Australia and really it was kind of like transitioning out of that space I had been in in the city it was like wow like I had started to look at what was making me sick and like I was sick you know I was dealing with constipation and bloating and stomach pain again I lost my period I was dealing with orthorexia and over exercising really struggling with anxiety and at that, you know, OCD, even though I wasn't aware. And so it was kind of this time of becoming really aware of all these things and the interconnectedness of everything. Like I just explained the gut-brain connection, how my mental health was really impacting me. And I started to see how I had been so hyper-focused on the physical. Well, I just need to eat this way or I need to take, oh, I mean, two in this time, my deep, research into nutrition and gut healing protocols I also did a lot of different supplements I mean that was my journey for a really long time and so it was starting to look more at that like well how is my mental health contributing to this and, and how is my emotional health contributing to this and like just my greater purpose because I think I felt a little lost when I was in Melbourne so it was just really starting to look at 
that, these things that were really causing me to struggle in my symptoms. And then also beginning to look more deeply at you know, my baggage, my burdens, my pain from my childhood, from my past, the things that I had been holding on to. So this was really kind of this rebirth in a way of myself and what I would say was kind of the catalyst to leading me to where I am today in both my my health and healing, but in the work that I'm doing in the world right here on the podcast and in my business. So I thought that that was really special. And I go on to write, you know, there's something I need to let go of, some baggage, burdens, trauma, or pain. I need to release things that no longer serve me. I'm ready to be rebirthed. I don't want to live with all this heaviness and tension anymore. I'm ready to shed my skin to find true, deep, lasting healing. So uh, I go on to say, I need to stop focusing on the physical and focus more on my mental, spiritual, and emotional well-being. And that should naturally adjust the physical. And then I go on to write from the therapy the other day. I honestly don't remember what therapy, where I did therapy, but apparently I did. I found my child self in me stuck in the pelvic region that felt very scared and unsafe, mainly during when my parents were separating and all the shit that went down before. Um, I go in to talk about more detail, um, like just times when my dad was drunk, um, passed out on the couch or when he would drive with us in the car and just the times I felt really unsafe and how as a child you're supposed to feel safe in your home and with your parents but you know that little girl felt unsafe and scared and sad and she didn't know what was going on um, I talk about other things that had happened that I'm just not going to go into in detail right now on the podcast um, and remembering this certain, you know, kind of traumatic experience where I think I went and I held this tension in my jaw instead of being able to yell out my anger and my hate and my fear, I had to kind of suck it in and hold it in, um, which I've felt a lot in my somatic experiencing work. And I, I have a lot of tension in my jaw. I likely have TMJ. So um, I go on to talk about the, the OCD I had. I had to make sure all the, the windows were the blinds were shut and the doors were locked and stuff like that and pray at night that these horrible things wouldn't happen. So again, this is just like starting to put it all together and see these things that needed to be further processed. Um, so to finish with just kind of the fun story time, if I can remember much of it, um, I ended up ride sharing and couch surfing up the coast from Brisbane to Port Douglas and um, along the way I went diving for my first time in the Great Barrier Reef which just like blew my mind uh, on a nice boat trip out to Airlie Beach um, was terrified of crocodiles <laughs> got up to Port Douglas and there was a beautiful parade going on um, went surfing for my first time in Byron Bay. I must say that surfing experience uh, really set me up in a way to believe surfing was something different than it was. I uh, was not in Byron Bay, sorry. I was in Noosa, um, and I went and booked a lesson. And, of course, it's this, like, beautiful Australian surfer man. 
and we're all on these huge foam boards in you know just the whitewash and what they do is they just hold the board for you you get on it they push you when the wave comes and all you have to do is stand up so you stand up and you ride the wave and you're like oh my god I'm riding the wave and it's like this beautiful Australian man pushing you so I was like surfing's amazing so the next day I was like I want to go again and so I went to rent a board but nobody rents these big styrofoam boards there so I got some long board I went into the whitewash I have no idea about the right tides or conditions or anything it was definitely not the right time and I just get like annihilated out there and then I notice where everyone's actually surfing off in this like break and I'm like oh that must be where you need to go so I, I paddle out there but it's so busy that I'm just like completely intimidated like doesn't like everyone's catching how do I catch a wave and I don't even know how to paddle and catch a wave so I literally just floated around on the on the board and so um that was my surfing experience I've had some better surfing experiences since then, but not that many. Maybe one, maybe one better, or maybe two. Um, so it was just like, it was a fun time of exploration, and I was just really proud of myself for doing it so cheaply and like meeting really cool people along the way in the whole couch surfing ride sharing world. But you know, it's a bit exhausting. You're constantly on other people's timelines and other people's spaces and whatnot. So I got up to Port Douglas and I flew over to Darwin. Um, so now I was just in like, crazy heat and humidity and it was about to be my birthday maybe my 25th birthday maybe my 26th and I met some random people on Facebook because uh, I use Facebook groups a lot while traveling to meet like climbing partners or whatnot and I met people who someone had a jeep we were all from different places around the world we all piled into this guy's jeep and headed off into Kakadu National Park which is just one of the most amazing places I've ever been and um it was the day of my birthday so I got like this really nice like scallops and salmon and prawns that I wanted to make for dinner and like white wine and um we head into Kakadu and we're setting up at night and it's just like so hot and humid you're just like drenched in sweat still and then the mosquitoes were the worst and I have experienced some bad mosquitoes but these were like the worst mosquitoes in the world so we can't even like cook outside we all pile into this one tent with our food just sweaty covered in mosquito bites just like eating and then it's time to go to bed and I'm literally just laying there on the ground in a pool of my own sweat itchy as hell from the mosquito bites and I just had to laugh about it and just like how life is <laughs> but how beautiful that moment was still and we explored that national park for a couple days going on really nice hikes there's beautiful aboriginal rock art everywhere such a rich history there we saw a crocodile in the wild one morning which was really cool and it has some of the most beautiful swimming holes i've ever been to in my life we also traveled to litchfield which also has those as well and then back to Darwin, where my boyfriend flew up and met me, and we rented a station wagon and drove from Darwin down through the center of Australia back to Melbourne. It might have been a two-week trip, and that was also amazing. Um, I thought the, I mean, there was a lot of empty landscape. Um, I thought Uluru was incredible, some beautiful hikes, 
there um, and then a lot of just red desert and nothingness seeing wild ostriches seeing the crazy road trains which are just like big semi trucks with just like tons of cars on them they're like literal road trains but they're just like it's so flat and straight forever and they're just like going really fast and they're really scary a lot of kangaroos hit along the side of the road um just finding places to camp and sleep in the station wagon it was just it was a really cool time got to go through adelaide and see that city and then back to melbourne and then it was time to depart and head to new zealand which definitely was you know a really emotional thing but i was very excited to head to new zealand um because I knew I was going to love it. So that's where we will start next time on the next episode. So thank you so much for tuning in and just listening to me as I recall these memories and sift through my journal and, you know, see kind of where everything was landing in my healing journey to get me to this point. I appreciate you all being here so, so much. Before you go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoy this show, please subscribe, leave a rating or review, and share it. That helps it reach others who will benefit from this information. So much gratitude for you. Have a beautiful day.